we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A new world order. Child sex trafficking. The deep state is trying to destroy Donald Trump's presidency. Loose the battle plans of heaven. It's all about control. Broadcasting live to the world now. It's the weekend vigilante, Sheila Zielinski. Today's program was made possible by the generous prayer and support of the faithful friends and partners of this ministry. Visit our new website at Sheila.media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Thursday, November 30th, the last day of November 2017. I hope you are enjoying listening to the show on the new customized app. It's not actually new. It's been out for a year, but we've made and incorporated your changes that you wanted to see, such as multitasking. That's a feature that had to be redesigned. So the app had to be overhauled. We had to upload all those changes and get them approved with Apple and Android. And so all this stuff takes time. But we did incorporate your feedback and I'm getting some really good feedback and thank you so much for your feedback on that. I'm a huge proponent of feedback from my listeners. Um, One of the comments I do get asked a lot and if you're listening and you're wondering why this is, why I disabled the comments on my YouTube because it was getting very nasty on there. A lot of trolls and jackals and hyenas coming out of the woodwork And there was actually really just some shocking comments, you know, things like, oh, you're a bigoted racist, just really derogatory comments. And quite frankly, we're not jewelry store for swine as Christians. So let's remember that. We don't cast our pearl before swine. I'm not opening up my channel, my YouTube channel for comments anymore. People, if they have comments to me personally, they can send me an email. So that solves that question, question of the day. I just don't find strife and arguments and name calling. I don't find that helpful at all. A helpful way to network is, I believe, which I'm working on right now, a map feature on powerprayers.ca, the website. And if you have not got my book, Power Prayers, Warfare That Works, that is a must-have book. It is an arsenal that will really incredibly impact your life. It's a game changer when it comes to prayer. This book is a game changer. And I don't say things like that lately. So I just want to encourage people just know that in 2018, that is going to be an added feature of Power Prayers, the website. It's going to be a customized map feature where you can put in your zip code and you can find home groups and other like-minded prayer partners in your area, including recommendations for churches as well. Bible-based gospel preaching, Mark 16 style ministries where they're making disciples. I have no problem recommending churches like that. So if you know of one, let me know because I am compiling a list of recommended churches because I really want to connect you with like-minded folks. I know that a lot of you have left your church And by the way, Monty Mulkey has a fantastic online church on Sundays. You can really get plugged into an awesome church. And even myself, I try to get on there on Sundays. So do check that out. That's West Coast Church of Deliverance. That is WCCD.com. Check that out. Awesome, awesome pastor, Monty Mulkey. And speaking of awesome... I want to jump right into my program today. My guest is awesome, and he has an awesome book. The book is 40 Rules to Help Boys Become Men, a very good friend of the program. I had the privilege of writing one of the endorsements, which is contained in this book that he's going to talk about today. I love this book. It's a small book, but it's huge in content. It's subtitled The Lost Arts of Manners, Etiquette, and Behavior, and I really want to talk about this book. And if you don't know Greg, well, he is also the national best-selling author of 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, another incredible book, and Conservative Comebacks to Liberal Lies. He is a former radio host on WRKO in Boston, 
and KDAR in Los Angeles. He's an accomplished speaker and writer whose articles have been published in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Times, Town Hall, etc. And how I came to have a fondness for Greg Jackson was I read an article he did on Al Gore. He had me at Al Gore is a windbag. Trust me on that. It is the one and only Greg Jackson. Greg, welcome to the program, sir. It is a pleasure. Sheila, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a distinct honor and pleasure to come break bread with you on your show. Well, I really appreciate this new book of yours. It's 40 Rules to Help Boys Become Men. I love the subtitle, The Lost Arts of Manners, Etiquette, and Behavior. What's that again, Greg? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What's that? It's what we learned growing up or what I learned growing up. I'm 49, and it's what generations of us who have grown up in America learn for, I don't know, 300 years of American history, even predating our founding, uh, that were once, you know, commonplace behaviors and rules and manners of etiquette and civility that, and, and I quote uh, the Scottish author in, in the uh, introduction of the book, um, his name is Alexander McCall Smith, that he referred to as the basic building blocks of civil society. And so, the things that are in this book, you know, were stuff that parents used to teach kids, especially dads teaching their sons, which were learned at a very young age and then practice throughout one's life. And they're, they're ba- basic building blocks for uh, civil society and really building blocks for s- successful living, you know, kind of a, a way to go from boyhood to manhood to becoming a gentleman, a true gentleman. And it's pretty sad, Sheila, but like you said, what you, you asked the question, you know, what's that? It's like most of these things in, in the book, if not all of them, shouldn't have to be written down and presented to a young man. But sadly, I mean, you see it everywhere you go. I was just driving down the street the other day and, and had to pull over and take a picture because out of the corner of my eye, I saw 10 preteens and teens sitting uh, on kind of the side of uh, near the sidewalk out in public. And were they talking to each other? No, they were all looking down at their phones, all 10 of them. And to me, it was sad. It's, it's like that just really just encapsulates it. It illustrates perfectly where we are right now as a society. It's not just the kids, it's the adults too. But when you look at the kids, this is what they've been conditioned to do, Sheila, to be, you know, connected 90% of the day with some form of technology and they've lost the ability to, you know, to put it bluntly, to be to be a human being. And when we lose that, we've really lost the next generation. So this book that I wrote for my son, 40 Rules to Help Boys Become Men, is really a, just a simple guide at restoring some of those things that used to be commonplace, those rules and manners of etiquette, to restore some portion of civility uh, that, again, used to be commonplace with the hopes that it will catch on and that that, uh, families will buy the book uh, for their sons or their grandsons. And so that uh, we can once again have some portion of, of a civil society. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, I was really quite thrilled to give a a book review for this book. And I see. Thank you for that, by the way. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And one of the things I said in there, and I think it really is this concept, Greg, that chivalry, it's not dead. It's just no longer required. And I think in today's society, we see so much role reversal, so much confusion about what it means to be male. And it didn't happen overnight. I mean, look at the Tavistock, the Frankfurt School, cultural Marxism, feminism. It is just an absolute methodical slow killing of everything that God designed in the family. Yeah, it's been an orchestrated. I mean, this this effort to feminize our boys and radically transform the family didn't start, you know, with the election of Barack Obama. I mean, it was no. this has been in the making for, you know, over, well over a century. And uh, this is, you know, pr- pretty much the end, I think, uh, of that plan. That's why we're we see the tension that we see right now. This is really the culmination in many regards uh, where we can go w- one of two directions. Uh, we can either maintain what's best of biblical Judeo-Christian Western civilization and society, or we can, you know, be catapulted headlong into the the brave new world, which we're on the precipice of. I think you and I would both agree, and most, and, and the vast majority of your audience would agree, we're there. This is a code blue moral and spiritual crisis, and so the bottom line, Sheila, is that that we know from a biblical 
point of view that Satan has always been about the business of destroying what God has created. And he's gone right to the heart of God's creation and trying to destroy the family, the natural human family, because he knows that no society can be healthy and prosperous if the bedrock foundation of that society is destroyed. Right. So he's gone in, into a concerted, orchestrated effort to destroy the foundation here in America and, and I believe globally as well, but, but certainly here in America, which has, which has been manhood, traditional manhood in an effort to destroy the family. I mean, it, you just look at the statistics, you know, half of all families don't have a dad at home to teach a lot of the, the things that I have in, in my book to their sons. So the sons uh, don't really have any direction. They're not educated and informed on how to act. So it's really no fault of their own that they're dressing up like girls and acting like girls and and being being feminized. Then, of course, when you add to it the orchestrated manipulation of uh, you know the the atmosphere and the environment, which I know is right up your alley in terms of the chemtrails and the fluoride in the water and telling boys to eat soy, which we know uh, reduces testosterone and increases you know f- a lot of female hormonal aspects in boys. Now you have this like perfect witch's brew of just feminization of an entire generation or two of boys who are now millennials. And, and I don't even know what this current uh, generation would be called, Sheila, but it's the generation that my son is in. He's 12 years old. And so I think something radical needs to be done. Um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, there's nothing really we can do. This is, you know, we got Korea, you know, it has nukes and the, the Iranians are parking their warships in the Gulf of Mexico. And this is the end days. And so we're, you know, but, but I think Sheila, that we have an obligation as Christians to first and foremost, if we have kids, especially if we, if we have boys to teach them to become men, it's obligatory. It's, it's not optional. And if we're expecting the culture to raise our kids, good luck with that. Uh, because they're going to feminize them. It's up to us. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart. It's up to us to be the primary instructors of our children's moral and spiritual upbringing. That's why I wrote my the previous book, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, um, which we discussed on your show. And, and thank you for that opportunity. But this is more of a practical guide to show boys, hey, this is what it looks like to be a man, to be valorous, to be chivalrous, to be a protector of women, to stand up to bullies. Basically the opposite of what the culture and the media at large is teaching our children. For example, to, to hold the door open for a woman could now in 2017 be viewed as misogynistic. But in actuality, these are things that boys and, and young men are supposed to do for their moms, for their sisters, for any woman, uh, because it's how God has designed us as men to act. We're supposed to protect women. And you know what's funny about this, Sheila? My sister happens to be, I'm going to go off on a little rabbit trail here, but I think you, you and your audience will enjoy this. Just as an illustration of what I'm talking about, my sister is uh, lives in Hollywood. She's very liberal on a lot of issues, but she's still my sister and I love her to death. And she happens to be Halle Berry's stylist as well. She has about 10,000 Instagram followers and she posted my book and said, you know, my, my big brother's new book, it's a must read for anybody with boys. If you look at the comment section of all of her uber liberal, mostly female friends and associates that follow her in Hollywood in the Los Angeles area, you will see some very, very positive comments. I thought it was very telling, Sheila, in that one of the comments was like, every man in LA needs to read this. This is something my husband needs to read. They were very receptive without knowing my political persuasion, without knowing anything about my religious beliefs. On its face, they saw the cover of the book, 40 Rules to Help Boys Become Men, The Lost Arts of Manners, Etiquettes, and Behavior. You know what that told me, Sheila, was that based on that positive response that, you know what, at the end of the day, women want to be treated like women. They know inherently that they're different than men and they want strong men, which by the way, is one of the reasons I think that, you know, a lot of women really do like Donald Trump. I know that a lot don't as well. But by the same token, I think he polled well among women. He had a lot of women voters and supporters, relatively speaking, because there was something in Donald Trump that really uh, registered. It, it, it convicted women. It got them excited to, to support him. And I think the main thing was that he's a man's man. Now, is he the Messiah? No. Is he perfect? No. Are there things that I disagree with? Yes. 
But at the end of the day, he says a lot of things that a lot of people think but are too afraid to say. And when you get a guy like Donald Trump that goes out there and speaks his mind and isn't afraid to say what he wants to say, I think that that really registers uh, in, a, in a positive way with a lot of women because a lot of women are married to men that are feckless. They're cowards. You know, they, they let their wives boss them around and control them because they haven't been, you know, they, they wish that their husbands would open the door for them. They wish that their husbands would pray before dinner. They wish that their husbands would let them talk before interrupting them. They wish that their, their husbands would uh, just listen. By the way, these are topics in the book. You know, they, they wish that their husbands would chew <laughs> Uh, without their mouth being open, you know, just simple things. So at any rate, I know I just went on about 20 different rabbit trails, but the point is, is that, you know, it's funny because, you know, when I hold doors open here in very liberal Denver and I do, I want to show people, I love them. I care for them. I want to, I want to be a do-gooder. I want to show people that my faith is real by treating them with love. And you know, Sheila, I can't remember one time ever where any woman in the city of Denver ever said, Oh, you misogynist pig holding the door open for me, because I think that this transcends these. These are, you know, rules and manners of etiquette that are biblical, that God has encoded in us, I believe, as as young men that that he wants us to practice. Well, absolutely, because the fundamental foundation of a family, that whole sort of seminal institution is created by him. So, and like you said, Satan's attacked the family. He's attacked the first system of mankind that God instituted. But you touched on something else. I think it's really important. And by the way, I think there needs to be 40 rules to help girls become women because there's a lost art of you know, that very godly Proverbs 31 type of women. I mean, nowadays you have women dressing like, I'm just going to say it, whores. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to show everything. There's no class. You know, class is missing. I was looking at a picture. This is a good visual for people. Go look at a picture where Justin Bieber, you know, he's walking around with his pants hanging down and his bare chest. And I put a picture of Cary Grant at 21 years old in a suit, a black and white. He's got a cigar in his hand, but it's very manly. And yet now you have these very effeminized and they're very emasculated. Let's face it, Greg, men are emasculated today. I mean, it's kind of like men wear the pants and women tell them what pair to wear. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is that, you know, we complain a lot about the lack of civility in our culture. We, we complain a lot about men not acting like men. And, you know, a lot of people, they take a look at this current generation. They're my son's age and, and older, the Gen Xers. And they say, oh, they're, it's, they're hopeless. There's, there's nothing that can be done. They're addicted to their technology. They're being primed for the mark of the beast. They're being conditioned. And, you know, this is just end days and there's nothing that, that, that we can really do. It's just, you know, the, the, the way it is for this generation. But, but I refuse to accept that, Sheila. And, and I'm not saying let's go back to the 1950s, but in some ways I am um, because I believe that it's never too late, that you never give up on anybody sharing the gospel and you never give up on anybody, you know, especially if they're your own progeny, if they're your own son or daughter, you certainly don't give up on them teaching them these, 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 these basic essentials. And a lot of people will just kind of write this generation off. But you know what's in my heart, Sheila, is that there would, you know, I wrote it for my son. But what I'm really hoping is that, you know, parents, grandparents, you know, buy the book. Um, they can go to Amazon, by the way. You can check it out, you know, do a, a preview, a book, uh, a sneak peek, it's called on Amazon. You can look at the table of contents. It's only like 50 pages. And it's something that you can utilize as a parent or grandparent to sit down with your young man. And you might not be able to change the world, but you can at least have an impact and an effect and give your son or grandson or nephew the tools to be successful, especially if they haven't had those tools previously in their lives. So I don't think it's too late. And by the way, I think there's going to be a lot of dads that are going to read this book to their sons and be reminded of it. Heck, when I was writing it or when, you know, just in reviewing it, these are reminders for me to be a, a better husband, a better father, to, to be a better man, you know, because I'm a work in progress as well, Sheila. So I got to remember what I'm preaching in this book as well. But my hope, Sheila, if I could just share with your audience is that it's never too late. And I do believe that what if a million 
dads or grandparents bought this little tiny book for Christmas for their kids, for their grandkids or whatever, went over it with them. And what if you and I saw a noticeable difference where we live and and, and we thought to ourselves, even for just a second, wow, it seems to be to me like people are starting to be kinder to one another. They're starting to be more more civil and respectful of, of authority and elders. I mean, we can bemoan the situation. We can criticize uh, the, the situation. Or I believe, Sheila, we can make a positive difference by doing something. That's what I've attempted to do with this book. And my prayer is that, because let me just tell you something. My son, who's 12 years old, the greatest compliment that a parent could ever receive about their son or their daughter is when a teacher or uh, a family member or a friend says, your son has the best manners. He is really well-mannered, and I've noticed. Now, when one of the teachers pulled my wife and I aside at the parent-teacher meeting a couple months ago and said that to me, that made my day, Sheila. And I'm, I know that you have uh, boys uh, at home too. When you're told that your kids are respectful and that they have great manners from a perfect stranger or a teacher, that is not only does it make me feel good as a parent, but you know what? He's, that this particular teacher said it in front of Jake, said it in front of my son, and it does wonders for your son's confidence as well. And that's part of our job, Sheila, isn't it? As, as parents, we need to be encouraging our kids to do the right thing, to act the right way to give them the tools to be successful. And so that's what I think this book can do more often than not, because it's not going to be that tough to be unique in this culture, in this society, uh, to, to stand out by uh, practicing a lot of these manners and, and rules of etiquette that I have outlined in the book. Well, you're right about that, that there's nothing more pleasant than getting feedback from a perfect stranger. Like you said, that your children are well-behaved and well-mannered, I've taught my boys to say, ma'am, sir, when I go to a restaurant with my boys, they know that I will literally stand there until one of them opens the door. You teach people how to treat you. But, you know, in society, there there is a lost art of manners and etiquette and behavior. But changing our culture, it starts in the home. Yeah, absolutely. It, it goes back to that old uh, saying that, you know, if you don't have respect for yourself, you're not going to be able to. To, to respect others. You know, Jesus said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, that's the most important commandment next to, you know, lo- love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. It's, and then the second is like it, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So how do we demonstrate love for other people? You know, I'm just going to speak to Christians just in the audience right now. By the way, if you're not a Christian, may today be the day of salvation for you, because this isn't like some one of many religions. Christianity is truth. Yes. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So uh, the greatest decision I ever made, Sheila, was in 2001 when I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, repented for my sins. He changed my heart. He changed my life. He will do the same for you. You don't get yourself cleaned up, washed up, and uh, you know, take a shower and get everything right in your life, and then you become a Christian. It's the opposite. You repent of your sins. We know we've all fallen short of uh, we've all broken the commandments. Uh, many times in our lives. So, and God knows it. <laughs> Let me tell you that. So if you're not saved, may today be the day of salvation for you. And by the way, if you are saved, be encouraged, grow in your faith, because uh, the, I, I believe that, that the, the return of the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is near, be encouraged and redeem the time well. By the way, that's what I'm trying to do with this book. I'm trying to redeem the, what does the Bible say, Sheila? Number the days for you know that they are evil. As believers, that's what we're supposed to do, knowing that tomorrow is not promised, that today is the day of salvation. That today is the, the, it's all that we can really be sure of right now, Sheila. We, we don't know if we're going to die in our sleep, God forbid, tonight, not wake up uh, uh, tomorrow. So g- going back to your uh, original point is that, you know, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And as Christians, the best way that we can share our faith with others, and I'd love to hear what you think about this, Sheila, but to me, this is another benefit. My son is a Christian. Well, I've already told him, Jake, no one's going to care how many Bible verses you've memorized and how much uh, you can explain to anybody from the Bible. They're not going to be open to it unless they know that you care about them, that, that you love them as, as people, that you've cultivated a relationship. Look at Jesus. What did he do? Spent most of his time going to sinners' houses, breaking bread with them, sitting down, and 
establishing, cultivating relationships with people. And so I believe that one of the best ways that we as Christians can show people that we love them, because there's an old saying in sales, no one cares how much you know till they know how much you care. And I believe this, you know, if we're, if we're going to be effective soul winners, which that's what we should all be about doing as Christians, we need to cultivate relationships with people. How do we do that? These are simple acts of showing love and concern and respect for other people. And by the way, this isn't an exhaustive list in in the book that I've written, 40 Rules to Help Boys Become Men. But I love that number. As you know, it's biblical. It's short short enough. It's easy to remember. If I had put 200 rules, uh, people are going to be like, okay, that's too complicated. If I had put 10, then that's just an article and not a book. So I chose 40. (laughs) But my point is, is that these are ways that you can teach your boys that, hey, if you're a Christian, this is how you live out your faith. You wait for people to sit down before eating. You listen to people finish before you interrupt them. You don't always have to get the last word in with people. You don't have to win every argument. You can disagree without being disagreeable. You you can keep your room neat and organized because this is how we show respect for our parents. Uh, You can chew with your mouth closed. You don't lie, steal, or cheat. I'm just going through some of these. You can say, excuse me, when others are speaking or when walking in front of somebody. You know, and some of your listeners might be thinking, wow, these are pretty simple. You know, my son already knows that. Well, that might be true. And by the way, you can add or subtract from any of these. This is just a guidebook for me, for my son. But I think it's a good place to start. What do you think, Sheila? I think it's an excellent place to start. And I actually think this is a must have for for not just fathers, but grandfathers, all parents. And I think this is just, it says it all, doesn't it? It says, and ye fathers, this is in Ephesians 6, 4, and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then, of course, 1 Corinthians six thirteen. What does that yes. say? It says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, act like men, another version says. So, you know, when we choose to define the standard of manhood and raise that level of expectation in our families, with our children, with our grandchildren, we're the ones, you know, that yes. create it. And I think, Greg, this that's why this message of Greg's book, folks, is so important. I think his passion for instilling these timeless values in our boys' hearts. I think this is way more than a parenting book or just some book to have. I think this is a movement, Greg, and I would love to see these morals and this kind of etiquette and behavior and these manners trending because of all trending things. I wish morals and etiquette would be trending. Well, I believe it's possible. And by the way, I, I don't have girls, but I think that, uh, that you're right. I think the next book that I'll probably write will be for girls because, you know, obviously, uh, there's, there's some, uh, you know, areas in our society and you named a few of them that, that need to be, you know, focused on where I think a lot of young girls could learn to become the precious women that God created them to be. And, you know, to your point, Sheila, it's like, we can either just kind of sit back and just kind of bemoan the situation or we can make a difference. And I believe that we were, we were called for such a time as this, regardless, we don't know what the outcomes are going to be as Christians culturally, uh, but we can only hope that things would change. And I think people have this kind of assumption that, that Donald Trump is going to solve all of our problems here in the United States. And, you know, they kind of look to the White House and to Washington to solve most of our problems. But you hit the nail on the head when, when you said that it starts with us. It starts with us as parents. You know, my son goes to a Christian school. Um, we belong to a good church. I, I'm involved in the, in, in the youth ministry where I teach uh, Sunday school. But, you know, I've even told the, the parents there that I get them for an hour and a half and I've encouraged them to, to, to make it a routine to go over the lesson on a frequent basis during the week to reinforce what we discuss in Sunday school. And so I think that it's important for us to recognize that as parents, as grandparents, we can make a difference. And instead of looking, you know, globally or looking at the national level with the hopes that it trickles down to us, I believe, Sheila, just your listeners alone, think of like the the shows that you're affiliated with or aligned to, which has substantial audiences, whether it's you or Hagman or Hodges, any of those shows, we're talking millions and millions of of people that, that listen. So what if we just took it upon ourselves and just my latest two books, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die and 40 Rules to Help Boys Become Men, for under 20 bucks, every listener could go on Amazon and get those two books alone and 
reverse a massive amount of liberal indoctrination that your kids are routinely being exposed to and indoctrinated with? And what could our society potentially look like if we just focused on our own kids or our own grandkids and taught this stuff to them in the next couple of months? What do you think things could potentially look like in 2018? And I'm here to tell you that it does depend on us. And, and so my challenge, I guess, for your audience would be, and what I write in my book, Sheila, is for every young man that I've given this book to is read it and do it. Yeah. <laughs> read it and do it. And it's as simple as that. And I wanted to make it simple. This isn't a 500 page treatise. You know, George Washington did write a book on rules and manners of etiquette that was more contemporary with his time. Uh, this is more, you know, contemporary for, for our times. And it's short and concise in a way that your 12 year old, your 17 year old, your 22 year old will be able to read and digest quickly and then hopefully apply those things in their lives. And so that's my hope. That's what really drove me to write the book in the first place. You know, I have a day job, pays very well. I'm very blessed. I don't write these books to make money. I write these books, Sheila, because they're, they're things that the Lord has laid on my heart that I'm passionate about. And you know what I'm passionate about? I'm passionate about what you're passionate about, Sheila, which is we have to endure to the best of our ability to raise our kids up and to give them the tools to not only survive, but to thrive in Babylon, which is you know, essentially what we're living in. Well, there's a major spiritual component to this book, and I agree with you, because there's such garbage being promulgated. There's a hundred genders. There's gender confusion. Our kids are being fed a steady diet of propaganda. But, but here's the thing, and I guess it goes back to, Greg, God made a pattern. Don't try to change it, because that is the problem in society today, is that we've tried to change God's way. And let's face it, the world's way is not working. What does Satan hate the most? He hates the family. He takes everything that God makes and he twists it. He distorts it. He perverts it. Look at women nowadays. Women are more depressed nowadays, Greg. They're more miserable than ever. Yes. And yet men have become these effeminate Ahabs. They don't take charge in their home. They're not these strong father figures that train up their children. And yet how perverted is this? Little Billy has two mums and little Susie has two dads. I mean, what kind of debauchery is that? Well, you nailed, you nailed it, Sheila. I mean, this is Satan's attempt to just totally pervert what God has created because he knows if he can do that, then he can set up his one world beast system, which we all know is going to, I mean, eschatology is it's going to be fulfilled. We don't know the timing of it. And since we don't know the timing of it, because we're not God and we're not omniscient, we are to be about our father's business with our lamps full of oil, knowing that we who have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior already have redemption. We already have eternal life in heaven. And therefore, uh, we also know uh, if we know our identities in Christ, that he has not given us a spirit of confusion, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when we know that we have the clarity and the discernment that God has given us, then we don't have to be confused and we can teach our kids not to be confused when Satan is trying to confuse them. And so at the, at the end of the day, the best thing that we could, that, that we can do for our, our, our children, Sheila is, you know, what we're talking about today. There's a massive spiritual component to that because, you know, when, when you break it down, what does the Bible say? You know, we wage not against the flesh, but in the powers and principalities and the heavenlies and the demonic realms. This is intense spiritual warfare yes. that is being waged against, especially our sons. And so having acknowledged that, it's, I believe, incumbent upon us to teach our children, especially uh, our young boys, how God created them, why he created them, what the natural human family looks like, what the relationship, and you, and, and you nailed it too, Sheila. The Bible says that there's a natural order to things, and God the Father is at the top of the hierarchy, and then God the Son not being inferior to God the Father, that is the Godhead, and that is above man, and in relation to the natural human family, men were called to be priests of their homes, not because we're better than women, but because there is a natural order. Women are just as important. God loves women just as, as much as he loves men, but there is a, an order to things. And, and men are supposed to, according to the book of Ephesians, love their wife as Christ loved the church in a sacrificial way to be willing to die for our wives. And I've told my wife numerous times, I would take a bullet for you. And I told my son the same thing. 
That's the sacrificial type of love that we are to have for our wives. And think of how amazingly beautiful and perfect the man-woman relationship that God created is, Sheila. It is so perfect in so many ways. And of course, it prefigures the relationship that we are supposed to have with Jesus himself. But the fact of the matter is that that's what Satan is about the business of trying to pervert so that people won't understand. But when little boys, little girls understand who they are in God's eyes, the way God has created them, and when they understand how God wants them to act, that's what brings peace and understanding and discernment and direction in a young person's life. And that's what I've attempted to do with this book. This isn't just a book about rules. And if you follow this, you're going to be successful in life. What this book really is, and thank you for helping me clarify, uh, Sheila, in this wonderful conversation, is that this is really about how boys are to act in a way, in accordance with the way that God has preordained and set forth for them to act because father does know best. And when we act in a way that is pleasing to our heavenly father, and he's pleased with us, then we can live the lives that God has preordained for us to live. And we can walk in those good works, which God has preordained for us to walk in, in a life pleasing to him. And I don't think that there's a a parent out there who doesn't want his son or daughter to be blessed by God. And so hopefully this book is going to help them recognize how they're to act as young men in accordance with God's word. Amen? Yes. And it's one thing to merely pay lip service, but if you never commit yourself in any substantial way, actions, they speak much louder than words. And I always say, put your money where your mouth is. Absolutely. Like, like, like I said, my wife, is, my wife has this saying, less telling, more selling. The other thing that she always tells me is, uh, don't talk about it, be about it. Because I can tell my wife a million times how much I love her. We've been married 20 years, and I do. She's my angel. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's not about me telling her I love her, even though I try to as much as possible, because I want to encourage her, and I want a reminder of my love for her. But at the end of the day, Sheila, you nailed it. The calculus she's doing in her mind is, is Greg's behavior matching up with the rhetoric? Does his telling me he loves me, is it really matching up with his actions? And so at the end of the day, you know, that's the best lesson that we could teach our kids is, you know, you can talk about how much you love and appreciate your parents. But at the end of the day, are you making your bed? Are you keeping your room neat and clean? Are you getting dressed and being on time for school, for church or whatever, without having to be reminded because that shows good respect to your parents? Are you waiting for everybody to be seated before you start eating? These are all ways that we demonstrate love for one another. That's why the Bible talks about Faith without works is dead. We're obviously saved by faith. That's how we're justified. But true regenerate faith, uh, a true born-again Bible-believing Christian, should be or will be known by the fruit they bear. That fruit is called our actions. And so are we perfect? No. Are we going to get it wrong? Yes. And when we do, what do we do? We repent. We make it right with people. That's why God loved David, because he was a good repenter, right? (laughs) Uh, Not because he was a perfect man. So what I'm saying, you nailed it, Sheila. This is such a fantastic, because we're really getting to the basis here. You've helped me realize something at a level that I hadn't previously understood, which is there's such a strong spiritual component to this. And there's a Hebrew term, it's called being a mensch. And a mensch, the Hebrew term is by being a a good guy. Like if you describe somebody as, oh, that guy, he's a mensch. That means he's a good guy. He does good things. He's a good person. It's more of a, a jargon type way to describe somebody. So hopefully you or I, we're not going to get a bunch of emails saying, oh, you're saying that people are good. And Jesus said, that's not what I'm saying. But what I, but the Yiddish term, it, it's called a mensch. And so I believe that God wants us to be mensches. He wants us to be known as, you know, that guy, He's not perfect, but he's always trying to sacrifice for others. He's always trying to do the right thing. He's always trying to love on others. And as Christians, we're supposed to be walking in the perfect law of love. And that's what I'm trying to teach my son and myself. I'm trying to teach myself that too. Well, I was speaking at a women's conference and one of the women asked me, what do you think are the the best qualities in a man? But you can't help to look to Jesus on being the best role model for both men and women. He's our role model. He's our master. And it was funny because I couldn't help Greg but look to the Gospels when I thought of an ideal man. And you touched on David. Well, 
Jesus had it all. Want solid thinking? How about, you know, he answered questions. He quoted scriptures. He didn't succumb to temptation. He provided revelations and insight, um, especially for the time of his day. A guy that could spend 40 days in the desert without food. He sacrificed himself for the salvation of the entire human race. He was so balanced, treated women with more respect than any, yes. anyone in his day and age. And the best yes. part, you know, he had this mind-boggling capacity to love. And it's not about perfection, but men after God's own heart. And I think this is what it really comes down to men and women should be after God's own heart and and we should try to be reflections of Jesus we look to him as our model yeah a- absolutely you know uh, Abraham was saved by faith but it was his actions that demonstrated his faith wasn't it when he against probably his own I'm sure he was pretty confused when he heard God tell him hey put Isaac up there on that stake yeah. you're gonna have to sacrifice him to me But at the end of the day, he had this inherent knowledge and discernment to know that, you know, God, the father does know best and he and I have to be obedient, but uh, obedient. And so our obedience to God and our love for God and for people is demonstrated by our actions. We're not saved by our actions, but they demonstrate the degree of our faith. And so, you know, going back to what you just said, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, this book isn't a a book of, of rules and, you know, how to get ahead in life, you know, Dale Carnegie style. This is more of a book on how to let the rest of the world know that your faith is real, you know? And, and I know that people that aren't believers are going to have a tough time with that. And, but they shouldn't because they still have a degree of general revelation that's been given to them. You don't have to be a Christian to know what's right and wrong. You, you know, if you're a woman, even if you're not a believer, that men are supposed to be protectors, that men are supposed to treat you with respect, you know, that it's good that a man holds a door open for a woman or pulls a chair out for them or offers up a seat on a crowded airplane or, or train or bus for an elderly person. You know in your soul that that is right. Your conscience tells you that's right. And the reason that your conscience tells you that that's right, because God has encoded that in your DNA. It's called just general revelation that we all get. That's why Romans chapter one says we're all without excuse. We all know that God exists, even an atheist. They're just in deep, deep denial. But but at the end of the day, I can prove that any atheist knows that God God does exist. So the point I'm trying to make here, Sheila, is that you're right. The, the things that are, that are in this book are, are things that we can teach our sons to demonstrate their faith and to grow in their faith. Well, you know, I grew up with manners and etiquette, and I respected my parents. I said, yes, sir, no, sir, how high, sir. And I knew what would happen if I didn't. There was just that common respect. But, Greg, the things in your book, they used to be commonplace. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, uh, my dad, I would never speak or call an adult by their first name ever. And, um, you know, respecting your elders means that you, you know, when an elder or authority comes in, in, the, in the room, you stand up. That used to be commonplace. You refer to them by their last name, of course, Mr. or Mrs. And I know down south, it's a little different. It's Mr. And then you can use the first name. But the point I'm trying to make is that if we are going to restore any semblance of civility in our society, if we want to make America great again, to, to <laughs> uh, borrow uh, President Trump's slogan, then it has to start with us becoming good again. And how do we become good again? It's that we demonstrate our love for one another. And these are just simple things that we can do on a daily basis to show our love for one another. And let me tell you something. When you practice these things, there's a discipline to it. And God is in the discipline and structure. And if you doubt me, go read the book of Numbers. Go read Deuteronomy. He's very into structure and numbers and discipline and practice, Uh, not because he wants us to be legal Pharisees, but because he wants us to be disciplined. And what you'll notice is that I tell my son this all the time, you know, he plays piano and I say, look, if you want to be really good at piano, you got to do these things over and over and over and over again. I think there was a book written. You got to do these certain things 10,000 times to become an expert. Well, if you want to be viewed by the world as a true gentleman, And if you want to go far in life and if you want people to love you and respect you, well, then you're going to have to show them with your actions. And it's something that you need to discipline yourself to practice. So this little book, this is a seed planner. This is where you show your your boys 
If you want to become a man, if you want to go far in life, if you want to share your faith with others, if you want to be somebody that God is going to bless in your life, here are some things that you need to read it and do it. And the more you do it, the more ingrained it will be and the more second nature it will be. There's not a better gift that I could give to my son, Sheila, than to show him how to act in Christian love. Well, what does it say in Matthew 7, 12? In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Treat others as you want them to treat you. I think this book is brilliant. I've went over this book with my sons. And in fact, Carter, my youngest son, he's 16. He was recently complimented by a male in the community. He gave me the feedback that your son, Carter, looked me in the eye, gave me a firm handshake. And he said, wow, I just don't see that in in boys that age. So and this is one of the things you talk about in your book. And I think you've put together such a tremendous arsenal here, Greg. Kudos, because this is just an absolute precious book. I really believe that. Well, thank you for saying that, Sheila. That's very encouraging. And the, you, you talk about a handshake. The handshake is so important. It can make or break uh, somebody going in for a job interview, for example. It can make or break because first impressions actually matter. And if you're a young man, then you shake hands with an adult and you're looking down at your shoelaces and you have a very wimpy kind of... And by the way, there's also a way for women to shake hands that is proper, that is different. That's a whole other book that used to be commonplace for women to shake hands as well that says a lot about the upbringing of, of the young lady as well. But in terms of, of young men, think about what you could give your son if you just taught your son how to shake hands. You're giving your son a step up on probably 99% of his peers, wouldn't you say? I mean, because it is a law. That's why I say these are, it's a lost art. That's why you can so easily distinguish yourself and differentiate yourself because so few people have any manners in society today that if you just taught your son the 40 things in this book, even if they retained only a quarter of them, they would be leaps and bounds ahead of most kids their age. Absolutely. Well, Greg, in the waning moments, tell folks how they can pick up a copy or multiple copies. Give them out to your son, your daughter, your daughter-in-laws, your son-in-laws. What a great Christmas gift to your family. And of all the things that are trending, well, I hope this starts trending, the lost art of manners, etiquette, and behavior. I wish those things would start trending. Greg, give out your information for the folks. Well, first of all, Sheila, I want to thank you very much for giving me the time. Greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you for your encouraging words and also for the discussion itself. Um, like I said before, you've made me kind of understand my own book at a whole new level. And I'm sure as an author, you realize that you don't have a complete understanding of everything that you've written sometimes until you flesh it out in discourse and conversation with other people. And you've helped me to do that. And for that, I will be eternally grateful. So thank you for that first and foremost. Um, people can go to Amazon, obviously they can go to my website, Greg with two G's.com, uh, to, to get a copy of that. And by the way, it's under nine bucks. This isn't a $30 book. This is something that you can get five or 10 copies, keep them in your trunk. Anytime you come across a, a young man or a, a parent or a grandparent that has boys or grandsons, you get, it's a, it would be a, a perfect stocking stuffer or a present to give out. And it's also a, a good way for, if there's women out there, Look, I'll be the first one to recognize, Sheila, that um, I, I understand that most homes, the boys are growing up and they don't they don't have fathers. I'm not condemning any moms. So don't misunderstand me. What I am saying is if you're a mom, this might be a great companion, certainly not a substitute for. But these are a lot of things that I did learn, honestly, from my dad that are passed down from dads to sons. But these are things that you can share with your sons that, that I think can can kind of fill that void in a lot of ways. Or if you're maybe a foster parent or if you uh, have a, a boy that you've uh, adopted, maybe, or when you, you know, like my neighbor, he's got a, a kid that comes and mows the lawn and they spend Saturdays together, you know, a big brother, that type of deal. I do think that we can make, and I know your audience is huge. I know that they, uh, this is right up their alley. So go to Amazon, check the preview. By the way, if you want to uh, leave any messages, my best way is, is Twitter, even though Sheila, I've been warned a couple times. I don't know if, if I don't have anywhere near the followers you do, but I, uh, I do most of my communicating on Twitter, which I have to admit I like because it's 140 characters and, and it's, it, you can get your message out very quickly, uh, concisely. And it's at Greg, G-R-E-G-G-M as in Matthew Jackson, at Greg M. Jackson, if anybody wants to. I'd love to hear your feedback, even on this interview. 
the good, the bad, and the ugly, whatever your thoughts are. By the way, I'll just give a shameless plug as well for um, the companion book, which is 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, which is, again, it gets it's called The Simple American Truths About Life, Family, and Faith. Get both of them. For under 20 bucks, you can re-educate your kids and, and, and reverse the negative indoctrination that they've received over their lifetimes. And I guarantee you, that it's gonna, you're going to see a difference in your kids. And one more thing that I want to say about you, Sheila Zielinski, which is that I so appreciate the time that you take to do these interviews, the time that you take away from your family, your own personal time, because I know how much you care about the future of the country, of, of our world, uh, and, and to be a truth teller. And so I, I would like to, I'm a Patreon uh, supporter of yours. If, if you get regularly fed by the uh, Sheila Zielinski Weekend Vigilante Show, go to Patreon, go to her account. You can give as little as $1, and it's, it's painless. It's so easy to so- sign up for Patreon, but be a patron. If you're being regularly fed, let's come alongside Sheila. Let's support her. Donate whatever you can. Be a generous uh, uh, giver, especially here at the Christmas season. I'm going to up my contribution, Sheila, on Patreon for your show, and I'm hoping that your listeners will join me as well. Oh, well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. And I really appreciate this book. And I really, well, I can speak for my audience. I really thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to come on the program today and share with all of us. Thank you so much for that. Well, it's my honor. It's my pleasure. Blessings to you and your audience. If I don't talk to you before Christmas, have a fantastic Christmas. Say Merry Christmas to everybody you can. (laughs) And, uh, well, you know, Christ is still in Christmas and let's, let's share the love. Like I want to encourage your, your audience, like be about the father's business, share the gospel as much as you can. Cause time is short and, and, uh, the harvest is plentiful. The Bible says, but the workers are few and there's nothing better than we can do than to be a soul winner. So all glory, praise, and honor goes to the Lord Jesus Christ for, uh, you know, this fruitful conversation that we've had. And, uh, I just want to say, thank you, Sheila. You're awesome, and God bless you. Thank you, Greg. Folks, the book is 40 Rules to Help Boys Become Men, subtitled The Lost Arts of Manners, Etiquette, and Behavior. Get a copy of this book and shoot Greg a message and let him know you heard him on the show. That's Greg with two Gs, Jackson.com. And like you said, it's at Greg M. Jackson on Twitter. So reach out to Greg and let him know what you think about his book. And I hope you have a very blessed weekend, and we'll see you Monday. Good night, and God bless.